you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, I'm thankful to uh, be able to help out Pastor Aaron and, and fill in this morning. It's been quite a while. Uh, it's amazing after 40 years that Saturday night got rough again for me, just getting ready. Not getting ready, I was ready, but just the nerves all come back. and uh, So it's kind of one of those things I thought, how did I do that for 40 years? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, when Aaron gave me the scriptures for today, I thought he set me up, okay? Uh, I was not going to be in town this weekend. We were supposed to be with family, and our plans got shook up a little bit to go in about two weeks out west. And so after all of the things on the book of Genesis that we're going through in worship, you know, following through from creation and knowing the Tower of Babel, he hands me the scriptures smiles and says, it's the covenant of circumcision for <laughs> Abraham and his family. And I thought, and you're leaving and I have to preach on that. So I'm seeing my good friend Peter Pietula here, who is a, a jokester in our men's Bible class on Tuesday morning, faithful study of the word. And all I could think of is Peter's story about two little boys in the hospital going in for surgery. He told us a couple of weeks back and there's six, seven-year-old boys, and one boy looks at the other one and says, what are you in for? And the one little boy says, uh, tonsils, I'm getting my tonsils taken out. What about you? And the other little boy said, uh, circumcision. And the boy getting the tonsils out, and he went, don't let him touch you, don't let him do it. He said, why not? And he said, I had that done when I was just a couple days old, and I couldn't walk for a year. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Today we're going a little different direction with Abraham. He gets his name changed to Abraham and Sarah, getting her name changed to Sarah, uh, because they're going to bear a child at age 99 and, and 90. We'll get to that in a minute. But it's a matter of when I was thinking about it, how oftentimes the things of faith that you and I uh, have to struggle with, definition of faith is being able to believe in the unbelievable, isn't it? To believe in what doesn't seem even possible. And so today we're going to work back towards Abraham kind of quickly to, to look at the matter of kind of a spiritual back to the future. So I, I want you to respond to this, okay? He is risen. Hallelujah. Right, one more time. He is risen. Hallelujah. Easter, huh? Can you imagine? The unbelievable happened. An angel was at the tomb of Jesus Christ who had been crucified on Friday, and the people went to the graveside, and they were met by the, by the announcement, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen as he said unbelievable except by the power of the Holy Spirit that we who live in this day can say it's real believe the unbelievable when Jesus was talking to people about his resurrection his death and resurrection they laughed right they laughed build it down in three days and build it up again they laughed yet it's real a couple of days before the resurrection, Jesus is in 
the upper room with his disciples celebrating the Passover, and he changed it forever. In fact, we'll be partaking of it today in this service, right? Forever. He took a loaf of bread and he said, what? This is, this is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Believe it. This is not rational. You cannot rationally explain after a few words are said that Christ in, with, and under the bread and wine is present. Yet it's true. And we believe the unbelievable. I think of the disciples with Jesus. You know, like us. He grabbed a bunch of ragtag people and put them into ministry. Don't you think they laughed when there were thousands of people sitting on a hillside? Jesus is preaching, and it's getting late. And the disciples are like, send them home, right? Send them home. There's no food. There's no stores. What's Jesus tell them? You give them something to eat. (laughs) Wouldn't you laugh? Wouldn't you think, what is he talking about? Us? There's no food. Give them something to eat. And then he blessed bread and the fish and fed thousands. I would have loved to heard the conversation at the first miracle of Jesus Christ when he first started his public ministry and he's at a wedding feast for a few days and all the wine's gone and his mother says, do something, right? What do you think the guys hauling the water jugs were saying to one another? Go fill these jugs with the gallons that they will hold and take the water to the wine stewards. They'd have laughed until the steward dips in and says, this is the best I've ever tasted. Why did you save the best for last? And a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, for he will save their people from their sins. The message to a young teenage girl, Mary, not to be afraid, but that she is going to become pregnant with the Son of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Unbelievable. And yet she said, let it be according to what you say. It's faith in the unbelievable believable. So we're in Genesis, right? I've been worshiping with you right straight through as well. And we're looking at the the aspect of what God has done and continues to do. The fact of the God of creation that just spoke and said, let there be and there was. I was at my camp this week with a couple of our children and grandkids and the stars at night. You just sit back and are in awe of creation and the fact that God could just say, let there be, and it was. And to this day, that truth of God's action upon forming the world and creating everything in it still gets mocked and laughed at by learned people. It's unbelievable except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same God that put all in that motion and formed man out of the dirt of the ground and breathed into him life, from the time that man broke that eternal covenant from God, God promised salvation. 
He promised fulfillment. He promised that there would be a way out. God made a covenant with fallen mankind, and he adhered to that covenant because every promise God makes, he keeps. Abraham, 99 years old. Sarah, 90 years old. I can tell you right now, I just spent in the last couple of weeks time with all 16 of our grandkids, age 16 down to a baby in arms. I don't want a baby in our house anymore, okay? <laughs> I'm just letting you know that. Can you imagine what Abraham and Sarah had to understand? God came and visited. Sarah is in the tent. God's talking to Abraham. He says, at 99, you're going to have a son. I want you, your name is changed now to Abraham. Your wife's name is going to be changed to Sarah. And the child that she is going to conceive and bear between you two is going to be named Isaac. And he is going to be, and you're going to be the father of many nations. That's so unbelievable. Did you catch the one line about Abraham, how he reacted to it? He believed in the promise of God, but it was so unbelievable. It said he laid face down and what? Laughed. Laughed. And Sarah's in the tent hearing the same thing going, I'm 90, are you for real? She laughed. It seemed too unbelievable. I love the line in Hebrews today from one who was as good as dead. That's how it's described Abraham. But God's promise came true, and they had a son, Isaac, and God blessed him to be the father of many, many nations because God keeps his eternal covenant always. What about broken covenants? You, you and I are people of faith. I don't deny that. And yet as people of faith, we're still in a sinful shell with sinful minds and sinful hearts. And the very covenants that God makes with us that is eternal and perfect, we shatter day in and day out. Our broken relationship between ourselves and God needs the repair that only Christ's resurrection can give. And besides the broken covenant between ourselves and God because of sin, all aspects of our human relationships within families, within churches, within ourselves is constant there that covenants get broken. The hard part is we kind of expect them to, don't we? We kind of expect the fact that, well, I'm a sinner, so covenants are going to get broken. That's a horrible, flippant way to look at that. If, you know, yes, I can expect that I'm going to, I'm going to sin. I can expect that I'm going to break covenants with people, but not just to say, well, that's tough because I'm a sinner, so so be it. God wants us to walk in faith and to follow in that. You know, I, I was thinking about it. We, we just confessed our sins, and, it, and it's a true confession. Please, do, I'm, I'm not knocking how we worship together. We just used a printed form of, of confession in our liturgy, and, it, and it's good, and it's pure, and it, 
and it is our confession before God and before one another. And, and it's concise, and it's quick, and it's done. And, and that's all fine and good. But if we truly take time to confess our sins before God and to truly wrestle with them and repent, I have to ask myself, and in your own heart today I ask you, outside of the concise confessions that we use in worship, when was the last time that you wept over your sin? When was the last time you wept over your sin? To do deep soul searching and say, this is wrong in my life, God, I'm sorry. He already knows it, but when do you lay it at the foot of the cross? Because all we have to really lean on is God's perfect covenant in faith that says you're forgiven. He never, ever breaks that covenant with us. It's being able to believe the unbelievable. Forty years of being a Christian pastor, I don't know how many times I dip my hand in the water of holy baptism. We talk about the means of grace in the Lutheran Church, the way that God comes to us in word and in sacrament. I have to tell you, as a human being and as a Christian pastor, every time I held a baby over the baptismal font and baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by God's doing, Inside me, I was just going, it's a, I'm holding a miracle. Because God claimed that child to be his own. I don't know how many times I've consecrated bread and wine on an altar or received it myself as a communicant at the railing. It, it's a miracle because we're believing that Christ is in, with, and under that bread and wine and that we're forgiven because of his death and resurrection and because God has never broken that, that, that covenant with us. Believing the unbelievable. We're dealing with broken covenants in our family, and I won't go into detail with it. Many of you have been praying for our youngest daughter and her children. Uh, things are not good there. She was a victim of violence from her husband, and he's out of the house now. But it's really, really hard, and it's getting harder with all of the court things and that. But I have to tell you, when I was out there, we were there nine weeks. We're going back out in two weeks again. When we were there for nine weeks, my four-year-old granddaughter, Karis, she's just a cutie, and, and she came up to me one evening. I'm sitting on the... And I'm, I'm not the smallest person in the world. To have a little four-year-old, precious little girl come up and ask if she could cuddle with me. And I picked her up, and I had my arms around her. And she had her head on my chest and just was holding her. And, and she pushed back a little bit, and she looked right up at me eye to eye in my loving arms around her. And she looked at me, and she said, Grandpa, would you please stay with us until you go to heaven? And I have to admit, I had to wipe some tears off my face. But believing the unbelievable, doesn't that feel the way Jesus is around us? We break our covenants between ourselves and God. 
We break our covenants between ourselves and one another. And there is only one place to turn, to him who is the resurrection and the life, whose arms embrace us in this life and await to receive us in the next. And that covenant is eternal, and God's not going to break it. Jesus' promise to you and to me is that I am with you always, always, in all circumstances, even to the end of the age. Why seek the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. He is risen. Hallelujah. You know, that's no laughing matter. It's the way. It is no laughing matter. It is the truth. And it is no laughing matter. It is the life. And in Christ, it's forever. Amen. Our service continues with the speaking of the Nicene Creed. Please rise if you're physically able.